Methodist. My name is Joe Cade. I'm the pastor here. We're so grateful that you've joined us in worship today. We'd like to frame our announcements in the five practices of fruitful congregations. So if you'll get your bulletin and turn to the part that starts with radical hospitality. We obviously can't announce everything, um, but we want to make sure that you know that most of it is there in the bulletin. We start with radical hospitality and want to want to share with you their visitor cards and prayer cards in every pew. You can fill those out in whatever form that you like and place them in the offering plate and we will respond accordingly. If you would like us to respond to a pastoral care need, you can place that. If you'd like it to simply be shared with that group, you can say that. Above uh, um, the passionate worship, you can see a pastoral care line. You can call that 24 hours a day and leave a message and you will get a response as quickly as possible. The United Methodist Women Fall Luncheon is a week from today and they'd like you to make reservations today. So as the attendance register passes by on your pew, if you plan to come and would like to, it's very simple to register. Just put your name and the number of people uh, that are coming and you will be registered for that event. We want to make sure that you get that chance. Simultaneously Simultaneously, we are taking registrations for the first Wednesday of the month, uh, supper at 6. And it's going to be interesting. Uh, Reverend Laura Bratton is going to speak to us. She grew up at Buncombe Street. She lost her sight in her teenage years. And she's a minister at Lawrence Road United Methodist in Greenville. If you were going out of Greenville on Lawrence, the church is just about a block off the road. And she's been there, um, I think, one year longer than I've been here. Um, she has a seeing eye dog that goes with her wherever she goes, and she is going to describe uh, her book. She's written a book called Harnessing Courage, Overcoming Adversity with Grit and Gratitude. And so you'll get a meal, there'll be a great program, and your book will be included in the cost for the meal, which is just $8 for adults and $5 for children. We believe in passionate worship, and we don't have a, a normal announcement to make today, so I'll just tell you we have two tremendous services. Um, if you're ever up early or have to leave town early, we have a great 9 o'clock service in our gym uh, that has um, uh, music that's current, but they play it in kind of a country style that I love entirely. Um, traditional churches struggle to have two services with great quality that don't compete with one another. And we've achieved that here for some time. And so I encourage you to go to either one. I know a number of you volunteer in both. Um, if you should ever want to, the other service is tremendous as well. Uh, we believe in intentional faith development. And you'll see the descriptions of our Sunday night classes. They're at 5 o'clock tonight. Um, we have children that start in the street room on the second floor of the Family Life Center. The youth start in the gym in the Family Life Center. And adults start in the social hall uh, with Mike Henson uh, here in our service today um, teaching a class uh, to adults. We also believe in risk-taking mission and service. Whatever we can do to help our community and uh, uh, a much larger uh, purview as well. The mission and service team meets directly following worship today in the social hall. We'll be deciding how we can support uh, requests from Greer Community Ministries and 
how we can support hurricane victims. You've already given us, uh, in addition to your offering funds that you want to go, the United Methodist Committee on Relief. The church will be talking about additional funds we'll give out of investments that we have in order to support that effort as well. All of that comes from our last practice, which is uh, extravagant generosity. You see on the back of your bulletin um, exactly how generous our congregation has been. We're grateful for that, and we take it very seriously. I believe those are our announcements for today. We encourage you to take your bulletin with you. If you're new today, we hope you got greeted and that you get a newsletter and a packet on your way out the door. Welcome. Please stand as uh, you're able to join us with our first hymn, number 145. now from our faith with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From then she shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, 
the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. Our first scripture reading today comes from Exodus chapter 16, verses 2 and 4, and it's found on page 112 in your Pew Bible. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
us pray. Lord, when we think about the promises that we've made to you, sometimes we think about the terms. When we experience great fatigue in the things that we're doing, when we break down into comparing ourselves with one another, it cuts into our gratitude. Remind us, Lord, of your promise, of your provision, of the hope that you give us, that we may constantly be grateful for the all that is before us. Help us, Lord, as we read this story before us today to see every angle, to understand the joys and concerns, to understand the questions, to understand the anger, so that we may understand it about ourselves. In everything we do today, Lord, in everything we see, we pray, we read, we proclaim, remind us to be grateful. Lead us, Lord, as we pray the prayer your Son taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the glory and the power and the glory forever. Amen. It's now time for our offering. And as you can see on the back of your bulletin, you can give as the plate goes by or um, with your electronic device.
be seated. Today we look at Matthew chapter 20, Matthew chapter 20, starting with verse 1 through verse 16. It's found on page 1529 in your pew Bible, or within a couple of pages of that. And I'll read two big blocks of it, so if you'd like to read along, if you'll keep your Bible open as we read. Before we get to it, I'll ask you what time you get up in the morning. <laughs> Too early? <laughs> I get up between 6 and 6.15 just about every morning and don't need to set an alarm. And my schedule is unique uh, at this point in time because I don't take the girls to school anymore. They all go together. Katie works at league. The girls go to league. They all uh, leave the house about 7 o'clock and I have to walk the dog and come to work. So I typically wake up at 6.15. I want to make sure that I've walked him by 6.45, 7, so that I can then get ready come up here. At 6.15, when I wake up, a tidal wave of thoughts from the day before comes into my brain. Things left undone. Things from the previous day, things from the previous week, maybe things from the previous month, of things that are just hanging there. And another wave comes in of things that are going to happen today. It might be that I have a stacked up schedule today. It might be that I have to have a hard conversation today. It might be uh, I have to do paperwork today for the district and for the conference. They want me to fill something out. It's horrifying uh, to me personally. And I start to dread. If I start to dread enough, I'll pick up my phone and look at something on my phone to distract me from that, to give me the willingness to get out of bed to get going for the day. But I've never experienced wondering if I would have a job. Not once. I had uh, cut grass when I was 12 to 14. I worked at Carowinds when I was 15 to 17. I worked at Applebee's and Chili's 18 through 21. I worked at the Citadel refereeing intramural games for freshmen because if you made a call and they said what, you'd say what? And they'd say nothing. <laughs> nothing. Right. Uh, and then about a week after, a month after I graduated, I had a job with two churches in Seneca. And with all the craziness of ministry in the United Methodist Church of you might move all across the state, you tell your family we're going to move, of all the stuff that I have to do in the church, of all the stuff that I have to prove to myself and keep driving, I never ever wonder if I have a job. I never wonder if I will be paid like my dad did. He worked on commission as a real estate agent. And I watched him time and time again when things would come down to whether someone's bank loan came through. Didn't come down to how much he had worked. Didn't come down if he had had enough details set up and ready. It came down to if they had done what they were supposed to do. And if no one got emotional. I watched him do that in my teenage years and I said, I will not have a job on commission for my life. Even though I probably would have done okay. I wanted a job and I wanted to be paid for that job, whatever that may be. So never have I ever on a Monday morning or Tuesday morning, Thursday morning, Sunday morning thought, will I have a job today? Will I be paid tomorrow? And so looking at this text for the last 10 days, that has popped out to me 
especially. Matthew chapter 20, starting with verse 1. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early <coughs> sorry, I apologize. Early in the morning to hire men to work in his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About the third hour he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, You also go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did the same thing. About the eleventh hour, he went out and found still others asking, standing around. He asked them, Why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, You also go and work in my vineyard. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Before there was chaos. And I find it interesting that the landowner went. He is the business owner, yet he is the one going directly to hire the people. Now we've got a number of small business owners in this congregation and in this community. And I don't have to talk to them too long to understand that if something has to be done and it's not getting done, I'm going to have to be the one that does it. Because it all falls on me and the name that's on my business card, the name that's on my truck, the name that's on the thing hanging over my door, I'm going to have to do it. So this small business owner is going out to hire workers. And I'm guessing those workers know one another. I'm guessing some of them are relatives. I'm guessing some of them have worked with one another on a consistent basis, at least every once in a while. I'm guessing some of them are neighbors. And if you found yourself competing against your neighbor, against your relative, against a person you had worked well with the day before for a job or position, what do you think you would find yourself doing? How do you think you would behave if the difference between you having a job was you having it or that person having it, even if they're your neighbor? It might not be chaos physically looking at it, but what has got to be churning through their head, through their heart, has got to be chaos. And I'm guessing even literally physically, there are times when in that environment, which of course favors the owner, those people would be climbing over one another, like fish climbing over one another to get food that you drop. Because the passion and the effort that I show in that moment may be the difference if I have money for food that night. And yet, the owner comes back at different parts of the day and says, why are you doing what? Nothing. You ever find yourself doing nothing? There's times when you can do nothing when you're at the beach or you're at the mountains or you travel out west. It's perfect to do nothing. But there's times when you do nothing when it's, we've got to do something. But that got to do has so much pressure attached to it, has so much concern attached to it, has so much fear attached to it that you in fact do nothing. Uh, I've cleaned out my garage before when I had to do something else. 
I'm talking about spick and span, like leaves out of there, junk out of there. You know, this thing, I've looked at this thing, I've pulled in this garage 50 times. It's going today. I'm going to handle something today. I've cleaned out my office when I had to do something. Students will clean out their dorm rooms when they have a paper due. All of a sudden, that desire to do something completely out of any realm that you would want to do is raised dramatically because you don't want to think about that. And then there's these guys. Maybe that, it may be that someone has come up to them at 6 a.m., 9 a.m., 12 p.m., 4 p.m., and not hired them. You ever been not picked for something? It's not fun. And usually the stakes are low in that environment. They may seem big in the moment, but they're not, I'm going to provide for my family or not. 6 p.m., 6 a.m., 9 a.m., 12 p.m., 3 p.m., 5 p.m. And you're just now hired. So what you have is chaos. And you know what enters that chaos? A covenant on the part of the owner. The owner comes and establishes three very different covenants. Did you notice those three? Come and work with me now and I'll give you a denarius for the day. It may not be crazy money, but it's solid money for a day's work. He comes to the next crowd and he says, I'll pay you whatever is right. Y'all ever been involved with HR? <laughs> oh my mercy. You ever get some confusion in the hiring point? You ever get confusion way two, three years past the hiring point? A lot of times it has to do with people in that moment saying, yeah, I'm sure it'll probably, whatever it is, on both sides. He says, I'll pay you what's right. You know what he says to the people at 4.30, 5 o'clock? Man, just come on. Which category would you rather be in? <laughs> in having to provide for your family. Which one would you rather be in? You're going to work all day long like a dog, and I'm going to give you a pretty decent wage for it. You can kind of sit around here for the next three or four hours, and we're going to do whatever's right. Man, it's pretty late. Just come on, let's see, let's, let's see what we can do. You ever been offered, let's see what we can do compensation? It'd be scary. And when you read commentaries about this, when you listen to other podcasts about this, when you uh, ask peers, experts, they say people are so frequently uh, driven to make the authority figure in a parable God and the secondary figure in a parable Jesus and the people in that parable, the ones who are there and us today. And some people are wholeheartedly for that and think it's right. And some people say, no, this is really, you're just supposed to capture an image from it. And it isn't necessarily God, Jesus, and the people, because sometimes you'll see a really negative version of their behavior. But either way, there was chaos. And in that chaos, everyone there was offered a covenant. Now, we sometimes offer a covenant in chaos, don't we? We said we go the other direction. We say, uh, Ooh, Lord, I am in a tough spot. And if you will, blah, 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 whatever it is, 
then I'll definitely think about maybe doing this. If you help me find this relationship, then I will. If you get me this job, then I will. If you get me out of this financial bind, then I will. Always leading with what word? If. It's conditional. I'm going to need you to do something for me. And if you do it to my satisfaction, and i got some time on my hands, and I'm feeling pretty good about it, then I might do this. Whatever that may be. The covenants that we offer God are often very deeply personal. They're out for our own gain and they're in desperate positions. And we're just hoping to get through the day. The covenants that God offers us come from broken moments in our lives just like that. But they say, I've already loved you. I've already done something for you. And I'm giving you an opportunity to participate in the covenant. The promises are quite different. Verse 8. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going to the first. The workers who were hired about the eleventh hour came and each received a denarius. So when those who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These men who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you've made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, Friend, I'm not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the man who was hired last the same as I gave to you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. There's a point after every covenant in which you start to grumble. Whatever that covenant might be. Might be a relationship. Might be a job offer. Might be a leadership position in the church. Might be something you're doing for your neighborhood or your family. And on the front end, you think, absolutely, I can do this. But something about the terms that you sign. After that promise day, you start to think, I don't know. Do I really want to do that? Do I really want to put up with this person? Do I really want to wake up this early and come to this job every single day for the next 25 years? Do I really want to serve in this position when this is what it's going to be? This is what I'm going to have to do? This is who I'm going to have to deal with? You start thinking about the terms. And man, when you get tired, when fatigue sets in, you start to question every single thing you're doing. Every single promise you've made because I think your body is prioritizing, figuring it's only got 61% of its capacity, so 39% is going to have to be cut somewhere. 
And so you're thinking, where can I give up something? And what truly matters to me? What can I give up? But the thing that will kill it far more than terms and far more than fatigue is comparison. When I was 26, I moved to being an associate in a church about this size in Charleston. And I went to the finance committee meeting, and my finance sheet in my churches in Seneca was a front and back piece of paper. And I remember seeing the finance sheet for that church, which was 8 to 12 pages long, and thinking, my goodness, what is any of this? What does any of this mean? And one of the big things I noticed was that my salary was posted there and the staff salaries line combined them all into one. And I thought, I wonder why that's the case. More, <laughs> Harriet will tell you, my favorite question is, why? Why are we doing that? Favorite question. Just curious. Well, in the United Methodist Church, it's the rule that in your budget has to be stated what the pastor's salary is. It's part of a major budget approval process for the church. And I said, well, that makes sense. Why are the other ones combined? Why do you think they're combined? Someone said to a 26-year-old, I don't know. If you start to see that number, and you start to wonder... If the effort's there, if the talent is there, if the desire to participate with the team is there, then you start to wonder out loud if that person is worth what they're paid. It's hard to help it. And man, the awful things that happen in sports when they say that this person signed a contract for this amount, for this many years, for this amount of money. Whatever it is, whatever the reason that Every single game is on television and every single game on television sells commercials and all those commercials have to go somewhere, that revenue. But we think, I don't know if he's worth it. So when we start thinking about turns, we start feeling tired, we start comparing ourselves to others, all of a sudden we find ourselves wondering about the covenant that we made. And whether we're first or whether we're last. You know what you never can tell? Where are you on that mark? You might think, I've been here 60 years. You've been here two weeks. It's clear who's first and who's last in this place. You might think, I've been married 50 years. You celebrated your one-year anniversary last year. Who's first and who's last? I saw a sign on a bridge traveling in Chicago that said, this is when the first white person came through this town. And they marked it by the year. I said, really? Is that how we're marking it? That person would say that they're first. But who preceded them? And who preceded that person? If we figure that we put a great deal of time into this Christian walk and we figure, I don't know, we've got to be somewhere near the first, consider the people that have come before us and the price that they paid and the things that they've done. And it might change the way you feel about who's first and who's last and how they're to be treated. 
But the big question you've got to ask yourself is which one do you want? Chaos or covenant? Give you a great example. The story of the prodigal son. One brother stays behind and does what? All the work of the farm. One brother couldn't fathom that in the moment and had to have chaos in his life. And he left town with half the family's money. We're never just one. We are always on a seesaw deciding which one we're going to be that day. Whether we want covenant that we live out every day that we try to get a little bit better than yesterday or whether we want chaos and freedom to make our own decisions. And I'll tell you a big motivator as to which one we choose is how we're feeling that day. But if we choose covenant... And if we remember that the covenant was given to us before we ever did a thing, it will have an impact on the way we feel about God's generosity. When I was 10 years old, my mother had been out of teaching for, I think, two years. She was a media specialist in elementary schools and middle schools when I was a little kid, and I remember going to those places, seeing those things. And she, at some point, I was too young to know, at some point said, I've just got to do something else. And when she decided that she wanted to go back, she would have been mid-40s, all the chairs were taken in Rock Hill for media specialists. And I don't know exactly how long it was, but I know it was enough of amount of time that when she got a call that gave her a great opportunity her knees buckled. I was in the kitchen with her, and my dad was there too. He's a, I told you, he's a real estate agent. He was in the room. And she got the call and uh, just started to well up and cry. I had no idea before that day that a woman crying could be a very good thing. And she started to cry, and her legs gave away, and she went all the way down to the ground. We still didn't know if it was good. And she said... I got it. And my dad said, are you, are you happy? And she said, yes, yes, I'm happy. You know what she never forgot? How happy she was that day to get an opportunity. When she was in a moment when she thought she may never break back in, from any point in that day forward when a teacher's meeting went too long, when somebody didn't bring back their books, when there was a little bit of drama between teachers, I don't know if you know that happens, it happens, same as pastors, a little bit of drama, get cranked up. Don't care. Because I've got an opportunity for covenant to participate. Let us be thankful. Let us live our lives with gratitude. Let us, when we choose chaos day to day, every once in a while, say, Lord, I'm, you know what? That was, that was my fault. That was my doing. And I'd love to choose covenant. I'd love to try to participate. And choosing covenant doesn't mean you won't be hungry. It doesn't mean you won't be tired. It doesn't mean that you might not get compensated like you should because those are all in that story. It doesn't mean you won't get sick. 
It means you'll be walking with one who understands the human condition and hopes that humans will find the ultimate path to be their very best self. I choose covenant. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you'll please stand as you're able and join us for hymn number 399. Forgive me not staying and shaking hands. We have an um, unscheduled mission and service meeting that I have volunteers who are staying after church, and I can go a good 20, 30 minutes uh, before getting over there. So I'm going to just keep going. If you were here, it's your first day today. We hope you loved it. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope you'll come back, that you gave us any way to communicate with you. Go in peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit go with you all. Amen.